0: All right, we're going to attempt to go through two books tonight. Two books, can you believe that? Some of you are going, man, what, no way. There's no way, Pastor, we're going to go through two books. But uh, we're going to try to go through 2nd and 3rd, John, and uh, just, uh, uh, you know how we do this, line for line, um, just uh, just trying to um, interpret this and just what's, have the Spirit of God speak to us what the Lord is speaking to us. So um, I enjoyed First uh, John is a beautiful book. There's powerful um, things within it, and uh, how many know that the Bible is powerful? The Word of God is powerful. It's sharp, and uh, you know it, it cuts between the, the the bone and the marrow, and it it, it gets to us. It, it it gets to our heart, and uh, you know I, I've often said this about the Word of God: it can cut us and heal us in the same motion. Come on, somebody, right? and so i love that so john um in his last two epistles here are written as uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of understanding their correspondence or their letter letters rather than doctrinal statements uh, or historical records so this would be uh, kind of similar to what paul was writing to some of the churches but but these are more towards geared towards people um, and these two books give us a picture or uh, even just an eavesdrop into how the early church was and how it uh, operated. And literally, we are reading the mail <laughs> addressed to this these groups, which is pretty interesting. And, and not just these groups, but this these groups, the early church that turned the whole world upside down. Um, it's amazing to me that, that the Lord, when he built his church, you know, There was 120 in an upper room, and from that point on, uh, man, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of people's testimony and people's, uh, 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 just their willingness to tell other people about the saving message of Jesus Christ, this thing has grown and grown and grown, and there's no way that the gates of hell can prevail against what God, what Jesus Christ started. Amen? So I love that. And so in so doing, we see... um, that this old adage is indeed true, and I and I like this as a pastor. I understand this. Wherever there are people, there are problems. I can t- attest to that. Wherever there are people, all right. Some of you say, "Hey, I work at such and such place." Wherever there are people, there are problems, right? And um, so it is true that uh, Second and Third John John deals with people problems in the early church and in. Second John, he deals with the problems in kind of a general way and, uh, and um, uh, generically, just overall, kind of a, a big scheme. We're not calling out people, but in in Third John, he deals with with them specifically and calls them by name. How many know that you're in trouble when your mom calls you by not just your first name but your middle name, right? Added to it, you knew you were in trouble, and so he he uh, kind of addresses some things here. So. And as a pastor, I've learned that there are times where uh, I must speak the truth uh, generally, you know, sometimes from up here, and let the Holy Spirit make application in your lives. I don't know all your situations, you know. Sometimes I, I don't know any of them because it just depends on if somebody talks to me or not. But, but sometimes, you know, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I'll speak a truth, and the Holy Spirit will let that application uh, deal with you. It, it amazes me sometimes at the back of church. I'll, I'll preach a thought. And someone will come up to me and say, hey, pastor, this is what I got out of your sermon. And I'm like, really? I, I mean, I, in all honesty, but the Holy Spirit knows what you need at, at, at times. So Some of you are going to be like, I'll never talk about pastor's sermon to him. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you uh, in those things. So, um, but there are also times when, like John, he, you, you have to speak the truth to people individually and personally. You know, um, it's a lot easier to deal with a group of people generally and say, hey, here's the problem. We need to fix this. We're not going to call out anybody than it is to grab somebody and say, hey, here's the problem, right? Um, How many love confrontation in the house? I didn't think so. No No one gets excited about confrontation, but there are times in our lives where we have to speak the truth to people. And we have to uh just just tell it like it is amen and so um you have to do the same thing in your lives as well uh, there are times in your life where maybe you you know it may not be to like a church or it may not it may be at work or it may be with your kids there are times where you may speak a general truth to all three or all four or our five or six or however many eighteen kids however many kids you have. But there may be a time where you have to speak a single truth to one of those kids. Come on, somebody, right? And, and so the lesson here in John's last two epistles have have great application to us. There's three things that that it, for us congregationally, all right, for us as families, our families, our home, and as individuals. So let's look at these. And so, um, and verse one simply says this: the elder. Everyone say the elder. John is very old here, probably around 100 years old, and uh, he refers to himself as the elder. When If I reach 100, I think I'm going to refer to myself as the elder. I think you've earned that title if, you, if you're close to 100 years old, right? Um, uh, so he is the elder, and he is the last surviving uh, uh, apostle of the uh, uh, 11 that walked with Jesus, so Uh, If this tells me something or anything at all, this reminds me that you never retire from the call of God on your life. You may retire from a career, but let me tell you something. The call of God on your life. Listen, if you keep cultivating that thing and, and watering that thing with the word of God, God will use you right where you're at. And how do I know that? Well, I've seen testimony of that within our church. You know, I don't mean to always call her out, but Cecilia has been volunteering, and she she found new purpose. She's been volunteering uh, up, up in Bloomington at the Helping Hands Ministry, and she has a heart for that. Four days a week she's there and volunteering and loving on people. Some people will be like, well, I'm too old to do those things, but she's been able to lead people to Christ, been able to pray with people, begin to give people hope. And let me tell you something. People are looking for hope. They don't care how old you are or how young you are. Come on, somebody. And if you can be the person that gives hope. In the NFL, if a person is 30 years old, they are an old player. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And if someone is 30 years old in the NFL, they they call them old. But here's the thing. In the call of God... Age age is is not really a matter, it's just the beginning. For our lives should be getting richer, come on somebody, and deeper the longer we walk with the Lord. You ought to be deeper in the Lord than you were five years ago, two years ago, six months ago, three months ago, you ought to be getting closer to the Lord. So there's no disqualification for age, all right? Uh, To the elder, to the elect lady and her children, so... Uh, you know, there's a little bit of debate about who this elect lady was. Um, you know, some people, some scholars believe that she was a real physical woman who John is trying to hide their identity because the church was under great persecution, okay? Um, instead of calling her, you know, whatever by name, he, he calls her Lady Elect. So some, some scholars believe that the, uh, the elect lady, some scholars believe that he might have been doing that. And so here's the other side of that. Uh, if the lady elect could also be the bride of Christ, come on, somebody, right? The, the ones that God has called, I believe it could be either and maybe probably both. Uh, God, God has a way of doing that. So this book is put together into four easy components. If you're a note taker. It is nicely packaged and presented. How many like nice packaging when you get when you get a, a product, right? You pull it out, it has nice packaging. Apple's known for their packaging. Matter of fact, if you buy an apple product, you could sell the packaging to somebody. Some crazy person on eBay will buy the packaging from you. Isn't that crazy? So, so but this is packaged really nice. Verses one through four, he commends the lady elect, okay? He commends, and then verses five through six, he commands her, okay. And, and verses 7 through 11, he cautions her. And then verses 12 through 13, he comforts her. And I, I really like this sequence. So it says this to the lady elect and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Verse 2 Because of the truth that abides in us. And will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the, the Father's Son, in truth and love. So uh, John the Apostle, uh, uh, we call him the Apostle of Love, right? Uh, and he emphasizes love more than any other writer. He also em- emphasizes another thing more than any other writer, the truth. So everyone say truth. Truth. Everyone say love. All right. Those two things, they have to go together. And I, I, I'll give you, uh, as we go along here, you'll begin to understand this. So in the Gospel of John, truth is mentioned 20 times. In the Gospel of John, okay? In First John, truth is mentioned nine times. In Second John, truth is mentioned five times uh, in just the opening verses here, which is interesting. In Third John, truth is mentioned five more times. So... Interesting. Think about this. Interesting that God would use the apostle of love to be the one who emphasized the truth of God so strongly. And I I think God knows what he's doing. How many know that God knows what he's doing? So. So we, we like the word love, right? We Oh, man, our society likes the word love. Let's talk about love all the time, right? Uh, we should love, 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 love. It's easy to talk about love. And here's the thing. When we begin to talk about love, especially when you're younger, you'd get all mushy, right? And you get all sentimental, right? Some of you could look over at your spouse right now, look them in the eyes if they're here, and look and say, man, I see the love in your eyes, right? And, and you know, and so you could you can get super sentimental, but... Uh, uh, and, and let's say, I, I love I love that person. And here's the thing. We can love people sometimes, and we can love them to the place that we are afraid to tell them the truth. And that's a dangerous thing to be. That's a dangerous place to be because the truth matters. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Okay. I am the way. I am the truth. Truth and love go hand in hand. You can't have peanut butter without jelly. You can, but it's not right, okay? Peanut butter and jelly go together. Truth and love go together, they work together. Uh, uh, I like to call it this you know, it's sloppy agape. And, you know, this world, you know, it's like love, 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 love without any bounds or any truth in it. So love without any truth. And we see our culture and people who cry love and respect my feelings over the truth of what I need to hear. Come on, somebody. Right? Sometimes, and now that's the problem is, hey, well, I feel this way. Well, it doesn't matter. The truth is the truth whether your feelings accept that or not. And that's the way it goes, I, and I like to use that analogy. Gravity, you can say gravity does not exist, but go jump off a cliff, and you'll find out really fast what the truth is. The truth is the truth, regardless of how my feelings try to dictate what that is. Come on, somebody. But we have a culture that embraces this uh, pilot's question. You remember, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Pilot's question was, What is truth? What is truth? Our culture today, that's all they want to know. What is truth? Is it relative? Is it this? Is it my feelings? My feelings override what what the actual truth is rather than Jesus' declaration that says, I am the truth. And I'm going to trust Jesus' declaration over Pilate's question. Amen? Amen? And we have to determine as the people of God to say, hey, I'm going to put my feet in the ground, and I'm going to follow Jesus because Jesus will lead us. Amen? So so the flip side of this is people who speak truth without love, all right, people who just speak the truth without love, uh, when, when we operate that way, guess what? We come off as hard and unapproachable. If I am only... Uh, telling you the truth without any love, without any season of love. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? Man, those are people that I don't like to be around. You know why? Because they're hard, and it's just like, man, is there any kind of grace? Is there any kind of mercy within you? But it's the perfect balance of love with the truth. Everyone say truth seasoned with love. Truth seasoned with love. Ephesians, Paul would write it like this in Ephesians 4.15. He said, instead, we will speak the truth in love. We got to tell people the truth in love. Uh, And and just as we were commanded by the Father. So, hey, if the Lord tells us, hey, we have to speak the truth, we have to do it, but we have to do it in love. Love, we don't want to be hard-hearted. We don't want to be harsh, but we want to do it in the right place. So uh, um, look at this. Verse 4 says this. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we uh, were commanded by the Father. So uh, if you're here, mom and dad, here are some practical, here's some real practical teaching for you right here. All right, you ready for this? It's important for you to model to your children. All right? All right, mom and dad? grandpa and grandma, and your grandchildren, what integrity and truth is. They're watching you, whether you realize it or not. Integrity is doing what is right, regardless of the outcome, whether it's good for me or not. Right? It's doing what is right. All right, so mom and dad, in the little things, in the little things, all right, your kids are watching you. In the little things, what happens if we just, uh, you know, it's okay, I'll let this slide. We plant seeds within our kids that take root that says, well, if mom and dad will do it, then it's okay for me to do it. Now, nobody likes to hear that, right? Uh, I, today, I was checking out uh, I, at the store. I had bought some things, and in the process of checking out, uh, the lady missed two of my items. And I said, hold on. Before you click that last button, I said, there's two things that you need to scan down there. She said, thank you so much for telling me that. You know why? Because integrity matters. Now I could have got out of there and saved myself about ten dollars, but let me tell you something, it would not have been worth it. Because you know what? People are watching. People are watching. And so uh we have to be walking in integrity and honesty. So if if, if your kids see the root of integrity in you, they'll see what is right. And they will deal in honesty just like you do and say, Mom and Dad would do this so I know that I should probably do this very same thing. Oh, I'll tell you this. Parents and grandparents, let your yes be yes and your no be a no. Right? Follow through. Hey, well, I'm going to let my yes be a yes. If I say I'm going to be there, be there. If you're not going to be there, tell them you're not going to be there. And, and you know, First Timothy 4.12 says this. And, and I like this verse because... Uh, uh, you know, it, it's leading, it, you know, Paul's talking to Timothy, a young man. He says, let no man despise thy youth. I don't care what your age is, so just throw that little portion out of this let no person despise uh, you okay so just put you because you may not be a youth anymore how many still want to be a youth but you know you're not quite a youth anymore all right um but you may not be a youth but let no one despise thy youth be thou an example of uh, of believers in word in conversation in charity in spirit in faith and in purity that's for everybody Everybody. So John says, hey, I'm glad to see most of you walking in, in truth as you were commanded by the Father. And he says, hey, I commend you on this. So here's the second thing that John does. He, John's command, verse 5, says this. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Verse 6. And this is love. That we walk according to his commandments. Not my commandments, his commandments. His commandments, this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So, after commending them on walking in truth, John reminds the elect lady, or the church, uh, of the command to love. Everyone say, truth and love. All right. Truth and love, are, are are they are the unbeatable team, not Superman uh, not, or Batman and Robin. Superman didn't have a, have a sidekick, did he? Not Batman and Robin. The unbeatable team is truth and love. They are a winning combination. They are a dynamic duo. Truth without love makes a person harsh, cold, and mean. But love without truth makes a person dangerous because they will allow... Anything and cancers not and I 'm not talking like specifically cancers in your body i 'm talking about uh, uh, spiritual cancers, meaning the untruths that will begin to grow and and problems begin to take root in their life and their family because they're too uh, too scared or worried to approach and face the truth and John says this, I commend you on walking in the truth and i and I command you to forget. Not to love. you You got you to gotta love. And he, he, he issues this word of warning. So here's, here's verse 7 right here. John's cautioning. This is where he cautions them. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh... So remember, John is talking uh, um, um, specifically in First John about Gnostics, and Gnostics didn't believe that Jesus was here in the flesh. They thought he was a phantom or a ghost. And how many know um, that that we still have the, those things today? Those those lies that the enemy has perpetuated, that he tries to continue on. And now, you know, people wonder if if Jesus was, uh, uh, you know, even a spirit. They they think he was a man. And so now we've got the reverse order. But such such a one is the. And uh, uh, such one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So the one that says that Christ didn't come in the flesh, John simply says this, that is antichrist. They are antichrist. They're against Christ. Verse 8, watch yourself so that you may not lose, lose uh, what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. So here's the caution to us. To the elect lady, whether it's a person or whether it's the, the bride of Christ. And, and and this translation is a little bit more modern. It renders uh, the word coming correctly. It, it's, it's in the right participle. Come on, all my English people are like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The right, the correct participle. They, the people are saying Jesus isn't coming again. Y'all have been, and and, and you know, and they say, you know, you you Christians have been saying that for years and it's never, ever, ever happened. And John's warning us that many deceivers are entered into the world who confess that Jesus didn't come in the flesh and that he won't be coming in the flesh. That participle, coming, mean coming. Hey, he's coming after his church. So, so watch out for people like, like this, says John, for people who, who say or imply that Jesus isn't coming in the flesh, who say don't, don't get too serious about prophecy and don't look for Jesus' return physically. John's saying, hey, Halt. watch out for them they are they are, they are an antichrist who says this uh, i'll give you an example i'll give you one example right here the jehovah's witness that's that's what they believe i'm not i'm not trying to pick on them they say jesus came but not in the flesh you you I, there's a perfect verse, if you ever want to pull it out, you have a Jehovah's witness knock on your door, say, hey, uh, you know, go to 2 John chapter, or verse 7 and 8, go ahead and read that and tell me what you think about that right there, uh, you know, and honestly don't, don't even get in arguments with them because it, it, who says this for one, uh, the Jehovah's witness, they, they say Jesus came but not in the flesh, they say this, he came secretly in the spirit and only revealed himself to the watchtower society, right According to the above passage, that puts the Jehovah's Witness in the camp of the enemy. And that's not my words. That's John's words. Take it up with him. Take it up with John, all right? Verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Abide. Oh, I love that. John 15, abiding in the vine. We have to abide in him. He is our life. He's the one that keeps us going, right? We have to abide in him. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Boy, you've heard that over the last few weeks. Verse 10: If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Hi, I'm with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Not interested. Not my words, John's. Say, oh, well, that's harsh. Well, you know, you could get in arguments, and, and you could waste a whole afternoon in this process. Verse 11 says this, for, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So that's, a, that's strong. That is stronger than sauerkraut right there, right? That is stronger than horseradish right there. Uh, We are not to get involved with people who do not believe in the literal, physical return of Jesus Christ. We are not to invite them into our homes, even try to change their perspective. Those, Those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who are not looking for Jesus Christ, and those who have diminished the person of Jesus Christ, we are not to have do anything have anything to do with them Uh, you know here's a good example people often walk uh, want to talk to me as a pastor right and ask me hey what do do you believe as a church and sometimes when I say we believe in the rapture they want to argue with me this verse tells me hey I don't need to argue with them. I, 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 don't, I, I don't have to argue with them. I'm just like, okay, you're, you're, go ahead. Believe what you want to believe. This is what we believe. Uh, and this is strong words, right? Uh, super strong, coming from the apostle of love. It's interesting, the apostle of love. He's coming strong with the truth right here. If Paul would have written this, you know what, we would say, well, that was Paul's personality. He was strong. He always threw it out there like that. But this is the apostle of love saying, hey, don't even give them entrance into your home. The fact that it comes from the apostle of love makes it even more imperative to me when I look at it because that's amazing. Here's the final greeting in John's comfort right here, verse 12. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Sounds like a whole generation today, right? They want to use their computers and smartphones. They don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. Verse 13, the children of your elect sister greet you. So, after commending and commanding and cautioning, John comforts those who have, have remained and walked in the truth. So, um I like John's, he just says, hey, I'd like to deal with many more things, but since I'm writing this on paper, it's just easier for me to wait and tell you face-to-face, right? How many can relate to that? You know, you're, all right, the younger generation, they like to text, right? They will pass everything through a text. You know what the problem with texting somebody is? I don't understand sometimes what you're saying may come off in the wrong way, right? right okay there 's an inflection in your voice when you tell me something, and i can I can know oh well that they didn 't mean any harm by that statement, but when you text it and it comes out that way it 's like okay, oh it 's going to be that way and then you and then you text back right, blah 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 blah, and then you text back, and then all of a sudden there 's an argument that evolved out of nothing when it shouldn 't have ever done that so but this is interesting um you know uh, you know it's it sometimes as a pastor sometimes. I pick up the phone just to clear up and make sure that there's clarity in what my intent was. And I always want to make sure, hey, what I'm saying, you understand and know my heart. Uh, you know, we don't always get the full intent in a text or, or even a letter because, you know, we can hear the inflection of someone's voice and the meaning of what they're trying to say. With, But here's the deal. With truth and love, there is always tension, Right. If you're walking in love and you're walking in truth, there's always going to be a tough tension in your life because it's like, I have to love this person. But I also got to tell them the truth. It's kind of like being on a canoe. Come on, anybody ever been on a canoe? You lean too far this way, that canoe's going to flip. You lean this too far this way, that canoe. You've got to get the right amount of tension to keep you level. All right? Uh, it's interesting. With, with truth and love, there's always tension. Sometimes it's hard, but here's what I want to tell you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can obtain it. You can. you can. Why would it? Why would it be a comfort to John to meet them face to face? Because number one, he's old. So if he sees them face to face, that means he's got another day. Amen. All right. But 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 because keeping the balance between truth and love often raises more questions than it does answers. Right? If we're walking, if we're talking about this tension of truth and love, then someone may say, "Well, what does this mean? And what does that?" And you know what? It's a lot easier than rather than writing this out or texting this out to say, this is what this means to someone individually face-to-face, all right? Simply, John says, hey, uh, do the things you understand. Do the things that you understand, and I'll explain the other things later to you, all right? Oh, man, somebody, that, that right there is good advice. In your spiritual walk, you may not have all the answers. Do the things that you understand, and those things that you don't understand, God will begin to give those things to you, whether it's through a person or through a sermon or through your Bible study or through your prayer time. So as a pastor, I wish I had a dollar every time someone asked me, why do you do it this way and not this way? Oh, I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody said that to me. Why, why this way and not this way? Often, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm walking on a tightrope of love and truth, I'm going to tell you I love you, but I'm doing it this way because there's things behind the scenes that you don't understand that I know as a pastor and that you don't need to know. Come on, somebody, right? And and so, and and, you know, I, I often say this. I love seasoned pastors. Oh, I love being around a pastor who's been around a while because... They they just they, they make it look so easy, it's like, oh, I could tell you the truth and love you all in the same and make you feel good and, 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 and you know, want to change your life. I had a pastor who could who could take a mountain of a problem and after talking with people we'd come out of a meeting and that thing would be a molehill and I'd be like, How in the world do you do that? You know what that is? That's seasoned in love, that's seasoned in grace, and that's seasoned in truth and we have to do that with the help of the holy spirit we can be discerning and understand those things see we have a tendency to get tripped up by what we don't understand come on somebody i don't understand this lord i i don't understand that why why is pastor doing this instead of that or 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 even further what what here's another one what happens to people who who are deceived by cults or people who who never ever hear the gospel do they make it to heaven i don't know i don't know the answer to that question i'm being honest so So why does, here's another one, why does God heal some people and not others? I don't know. In answering such things and questions, the Lord says to you through John, hold on, I'm coming soon. And one day all of this is going to make sense when we're face to face. You're going to understand all of this. You know, the things that you're worried about right now, they're not going to be a big deal when, when, we, when, we, when we graduate to eternity. Amen. So I don't know. That's, that's great advice here. To do what we know to do in the meantime until we see Jesus face to face. I can get caught up on a lot of things. You know what? I, I just know this. I, I, you know, in, in our lives, we have to speak to people in love and truth. Living in that holy tension of love and truth. Telling our kids the truth in love. Telling society the truth in love. Telling our friends the truth in love. Telling our culture the truth in love. Second John, I hear, I hear an urgent heart. The apostle of love is one who draws the line in the sand between Christ and the Antichrist. Here's the truth. <laughs> If you're on this side, you're on this side. If you're on this side, you're on this side. I don't know how John and Paul would make it in our society here in America. They would be canceled. You know why? Because they would say you either are here or you're here. There's no gray area. It, it, it is this or that, simply put. Simply put, here's a simple way, stay away from heretics, walk in the truth. And don't forget to love. If you were to sum up that whole chapter, you could sum it up like that. Simply put, stay away from heretics, walk in truth, and don't forget to love. Uh, John, uh, Third John right here. In this final epistle, John deals with the specific problems in the church. And he'll refer to three personalities. The first is an encourager named Gaius. And, and seen verses uh, through 1 through 8. The second is an egotist uh named Diotrephes, and he's verses 9 through 11. And the third is an example named Demetrius, seen in verse 12. So uh, let's look at this. Gaius, first one, uh, 3 John 1, says this. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Oh, look at look at John coming out already. I love you in the truth, all right? Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So uh Elder here, and you know, and talking about John is an appeal to the authority as John as a leader. Again, John loves in truth, and truth and love, and you know, I've said this go together like a horse and carriage, right? I, you can't have one, you, you got to, you, it takes a carriage does not get very far without a horse, right? So, yeah, I mean, they go together. Uh, some of you need to look at your spouse so that you know you know truth and love go together like me and you, baby, all right, hey, you know what that might be a good church pickup line i don 't even know so verse two is a verse that that oftentimes prosperity preachers will try and use and and, and they 'll say hey it it 'll go well with you and you 'll be in good health and, and 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 well with your soul and there 's nothing wrong with that I, I believe that God wants to bless you. I believe that God. Uh, wants to see you prosper, but God cares more about your soul than he does about your prosperity. Can we get that straight? I mean, God cares more about you, <laughs> your eternity, than he does about any amount of money that you have on this on this earth. That doesn't mean that God won't bless you. So, But the key to the context of this verse is the fact that John is saying this, I pray these things for you. I'm praying these blessings. I'm praying for health and the wellness of your soul. I am praying for those things. He's it's not a uh it's not a it's a prayer, it's not a principle that he's saying. It's a prayer. I'm praying for you. I want you to be blessed, I want your kids to be blessed. And 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 so I, I pray this prayer over you, but I understand this that God's ways are not my ways. God's ways are higher than mine. And I don't always understand what happens if somebody. You know and gives a large sum of money to a prosperity pastor, and then they are they 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 sow because they want to be healed, but god doesn 't heal them what 's our answer then you know i mean and, and and you know those things disturb me because guess what I could tell you this uh, you know the the gospel message is not for me to build wealth, but the gospel message the call of God on my life is to grab as many people from the gates of hell that God has called me to and, and, and to, to grab as many as I can and say let's go let's go come on let's, let's spend eternity with Jesus and sometimes it's only through brokenness in our lives and through pain that blessing in ministry is born how many times have you heard pastors uh, preach their testimony and be like, "My marriage was was about to break. I was on the. I was on. I was about to commit suicide. I was strung out on drugs." How many times have you heard that? The Lord sometimes takes us down these these paths to bring us up so we'll have a testimony. So I, so I, I, I've seen. I don't know. I've seen pastors struggle with sickness, right? I've known pastors that have died of sicknesses and, and things. And, and does that mean that they had a lack of faith? No. I don't understand. It's one of those things that maybe we'll learn, uh, you know, when we see Jesus face to face. They, they may be living out. Here's, here's a good way to look at it. They may be living out a sermon of trusting God's grace through that sickness. I'm going to show you how I trust God. I'm gonna show you how I I I'm gonna I'm gonna dig my heels in, and even if God does not heal me, and even if I'm ultimately healed, guess what? I will trust Him. It's that kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. And even if we die, we will not bow. It's that kind of faith. It it does not uh, uh, make them second rate a second rate believer. So look at this verse three. For I rejoice greatly. When the brothers came and testified your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I love how he, he talks to these guys like they're his kids. He's a spiritual father. He's, I, I you know, and, and, and you as a parent can understand it. There's no greater joy than when you see your kids doing what's right and walking in the truth and seeing them excel at something, right? It, 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 as a parent, you're just like, yes, that's awesome, right? And that's what John's doing. He's saying, beloved, it is a faithful thing uh, you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers, as they are. Verse six: Who testified to your love before the church? You will do well and send send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Verse seven: For they have gone out uh, uh, for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So, Gaius, before there were Motel Six and and hotels and. Uh, before the Hilton was around. Come on, somebody. Uh, many travelers or ministers at that time would, would travel, and they didn't have a lot of money, all right? But but they would stay with people in the church. Now, now some of you have been around long enough to, to know and see traveling ministers stay with people in the Come on. Some of you, come on. You can raise your hand like this if you don't want anybody. All right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And... Um, you know, one of the churches that my parents pastored when I was growing up, it had an evangelistic quarter. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? They used to build churches, and they would, when they build a church, they'd put a little apartment in there. And that apartment for was when they had a revival or they had a missionary come, they could put them in that little apartment and they could stay there uh, for the time that they were there from place to place. And so, uh, it, it's interesting. Gaius would would house different preachers and apostles and prophets. But not only that, he would provide for them financially as they journeyed. So he was, he was a giver. I want to say he was a giver, right? Uh, remember, we're talking about walking in truth and love. And, and to do so means we assist people on their journey towards heaven by showing them the faithfulness that God has for us. All right? That's what, that's what that's what it is. It's uh, God, how many know that the closer we get towards this thing and eternity, the closer that we get to it. Man, we ought to be showing, hey, people God's faithfulness in my life. Let me bless you on this journey. Let me let me tell you this. It's our privilege and our responsibility to say to people, God will do what he promised. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, amen. He will see you through here on earth its It's our job that's what that, that is giving people hope. How many know that sometimes even ministers need hope all right I, I'm, I'm being real sometimes that it just it's our privilege listen, I call it a privilege. It's like having a license. It's a privilege to have a license right because there's responsibility it's our privilege and our responsibility to point people. Towards eternity in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14 verse 1 through 2. You guys know this verse very well. I pray that you know this verse very well. Jesus calmed his disciples by directing their hearts to heaven. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Look, look. Something else bigger is happening. Don't don't get discouraged. I know what you heard in John thirteen. I know you heard someone's going to uh, uh, betray me. I know you heard so you know all that. Don't let that. Don't let that keep your eyes focused on the prize. So if if we if we take eternity or if we take heaven out of the equation, guess what? We're left here desperate, disturbed, and and a depressed people. We're going somewhere else. You know, heaven heaven, and eternity changes everything. Verse 8 says this, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers uh, for the truth. So that tells me this, that when we support ministries, when we support missionaries, when we do those things, guess what? We are partnering with them. Come on, somebody. We're partnering with them, and we are fellow workers of the truth. So this is interesting because in Second in John 10, John says he don't let deceivers in your house, right? Remember, he said, don't let deceivers in your house. Here he says, hey, don't be so skeptical that you, that you keep everybody out. This is this is interesting. This is a tension a little bit for me as a pastor. It's like, how do you explain this and that? I, I don't even know. But this is this is this is what I do know. This is where discernment comes into play within the believer. Okay? You ought to have discernment. If you don't have discernment, you ought to pray for discernment in in your heart. Learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, the scripture says this, the spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. And if you're unsure, you say, Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? He'll give you an answer. Gaius gave his time. He gave his finances to keep the ministry of reaching people, going so let's look at this Diotrephes. Diotrephes, that's a terrible name, and I don't. It's hard to explain. Diotrephes, verse nine. I, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. All right, John's coming out swinging already. Gaius, I like you. I like what you. are Diotrephes, I'm not mincing words with you. I, I've got an issue. Uh, he likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority some scholars believe that john had written a letter to diotrephes and and either diotrephes destroyed it or didn't even pay any attention to it didn't want to look to the authority of of the apostle john so verse 10 says this oh oh i like this so if i come i will bring up what he's doing it's kind of like the mom's like don't make me come in there right so if I come, Diotrephes, I'm going to bring it up. We're going we're to talk this out. If I come reflects the ideal, when I come. When I come. John intends to confront Diotrephes because of, of his attitudes and his actions and to exercise apostolic authority in, in punishing him. Look at this. Proverbs 15, says, If you reject discipline, you'll only harm yourself. That's what Solomon said. Smart guy, right? But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Some of you are like, man, I need to write that verse down and put it on the fridge for my kids to see that right there, right? If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you'll grow in understanding. And John is trying to to correct him. He's trying to get diotrophies right. John's warning are similar to what Paul did in 2 Corinthians when he, when he addressed the Corinthians there. He had some pretty harsh words there. Diotrephes' sins include this. Are you ready? Verbal attacks. You know what that is? Gossip. Woo-hoo. Gossip. Well, did you hear? Right? No, I didn't hear. Are they here? Then we shouldn't be hearing this without them in our presence right here. Did you hear this? Right? Gossip. Verbal attacks on John and, 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 and those that, that went with him, his posse, as well as active opposition to those who wanted to support uh, for legitimate re, uh, ministries. And so uh, Diotrephes is like, yeah, we're not going to support them. Because, and, and, you know, he's not, he's not doing this. Listen, Proverbs 27.5 says this, open rebuke is better than secret love. It's better to be rebuked than it is to just be like, oh, you know, to know that. True love cares enough to confront. Come on, somebody, right? True love cares enough to confront, to speak the truth, and to deal with the issue that would otherwise cause decay or destruction. If we are slow to to deal with with confrontation, listen to me. I'm learning this in ministry every day. If we're slow to deal with confrontation, decay can set in. I'll give you a good example. If you have a mold problem in your house and you're just like, I just don't want to address it, you're going to have a larger mold problem if you do not deal with it quickly, right? Because here's what happens. It, it spreads quickly. And same goes with, with us and our situations that we need to confront, you know, at times. Is it easy to confront? Absolutely not. Is it necessary 100%? Times where we have to speak in love and and, and truth and, and you know and, and here 's what all all i don 't you know wherever you 're at all good leaders need to hear this from time to time it 's a good reminder to everybody. John had such a love within his heart that hey i 'm willing to con- confront Diotrophes. look at this talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and and puts them out of the church. Yeah, you can't come to church. He he's pushing people out. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Do what's right, not what's evil. Whoever does good is from where? Whoever does evil has not seen God. So the King James version says prating instead of talking. And and prating and it refers to this, this, uh, this is a great, this is beautiful, um, it, it refers to bubbles underwater, right, you know, bubbles in the sea, anybody ever been snorkeling, ever seen bubbles come up out of the water, or, you know, and, and, and what, what happens is those bubbles, you know, they, as they go to the surface, they cause all kinds of ruckus, right, but then when they get to the surface, they just, they're gone. Right? So Diotrephes was one who was stirring up bubbling accusations against John. There was no substance to it, and but it was causing all kinds of undercurrent and turmoil. That's it. The proof of our commitment to God is that we personally reject evil and embrace a life patterned after that which is godly and which is good. That's what John says. Hey, hey those who do good, guess what? They're godly. Those who do evil, they have not seen God. His words, not mine. Take it up with him. The lifestyle we exhibit is a direct reflection of the extent to which I have seen God. Oh, you, I, you none of you like that one, did you? <laughs> the lifestyle we exhibit is, du- is a direct reflection of the extent to which we have seen God. So if you're full of grace and you're full of mercy and you're full of truth and you're full of love, listen, you're going to walk this thing out. And people are going to look at you and go, man, I don't know what it is about that person. But they, they are just full of all kinds of mercy and grace. And, and I love that. So our, our sinful nature, listen, our sinful nature is a faulty vision of God. It is. Our sinful nature is a faulty vision of God because if we saw him perfectly, we would never sin at all. Now that day is coming when we see him face to face. I talked about that last, last verse. In the meantime, Scripture tells us time and time again, time and time again, Scripture tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And look at Christ for the day when we see him perfectly, we will uh, be that day that we will be like him. We'll begin to understand 1 John 3, uh, verses 2 through 3, talk about that. So let's go on here. Demetrius, everyone say Demetrius. Verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony for everyone and, and the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and, and you know that our testimony is true. So um, this is interesting. Demetrius, John tells us that Demetrius, uh, he doesn't tell us what he did specifically. But here's the interesting thing. Demetrius goes down in history and in the Bible as the one who was a good example uh, of what it means to be a believer. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't tell you exactly what it is that he did, but he just says, hey, that guy's a good guy, Right? Yeah, I love that. That is probably uh, the best way to be remembered. This guy, uh, you know, um, walked through difficult times, but, uh, but they showed us, you know, to be that person that says, you know, at your funeral maybe, this guy or this gal. They, they walked through very difficult times, but they showed us how to live by faith and, and embrace uh, this race and God's grace. That's a beautiful thing, Right? Uh, Demetrius was not only of good reputation, but also has a testimony from the truth itself. In other words, Demetrius' life measured up to the teaching of Scripture and Christ's commands. His conduct matched his theology. Come on, somebody. Uh, I can only hope. Here's my, my only hope in this life is to be remembered this way. It's not about how big your ministry is or how big a church, uh, a, church, uh, a church is or not about crowds or anything like that or, or what conference I speak at or this or that, all that stuff is, is really not that important in the grand scheme of thing. But what is important is that I live like I teach. One of the fallacies and one of the biggest things that we have in America is we have a lot of pastors who teach a lot of things. And their integrity does not match what they are preaching out of their pulpits on Sunday. And then you see them fall and we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this pastor did this. And I can't believe this pastor did this. And I can't believe this pastor did this, right? And their integrity does not match what is coming out of their mouth. But, but here's the thing. Our conduct has to match our theology and what Jesus commands out of us. So look at this Proverbs twenty two, one. I, I like this verse. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Solomon says, Hey, you know what's more you know what's more important than being rich? Having a good name. Somebody look at you and go, That is a good person. And favor is better than silver or gold. So um, you know, silver and gold cannot cannot give you favor but favor can give you silver and gold come on somebody alright my mind can think uh, of, of many great uh, generals of the faith that I've had the privilege to know or, or pastors or, 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 or you know whatever and some of the best pastors that I know that have went on to glory pastored in the most non-distinct towns churches that were not the most massive churches or whatever the case but they were the realest People, they love God with all their heart. They lived what they preached, and they walked it out. And let me tell you something. Their life matched, their their ministry matched their teaching. And listen to me, that, listen, when I think about that, that's where I want to be. My prayer is to be like Demetrius. Verse 13, it says this. We're almost done. All right, final greeting here. I had much to write to you. Uh, but you would rather not write, uh, but I would rather not write with a pen and ink. John had a problem with pens and ink. Oh, he's he's 100 years old, so I'm sure, you know, you don't want to write. Verse 14, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Verse 15, peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So John uh, 21, 25, this is how the book of John, the gospel of John ends. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did uh, where every uh, one of them uh, to be written, I suppose, that, uh, where, where every one of them were to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books uh, that would be written. If I was to write all the things that Christ did, there isn't enough paper for me to write that out. That's interesting or that John says that. Second John verse 12, he ends this Second John like this. Though I have much to write, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you, talk to you face-to-face so that our journey may be complete. Look at this, Third John, verse uh, 13. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. John did not like to write. That's what that tells me. He was a good racing versus Paul, but he did not like to write. But this is interesting. I find it more than co- coincidental that John closes the three of his four books saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, five books actually but three of five books but this fourth book or third book here uh because he wrote revelation i find it more in, uh coincidental that john closes this these three books this way in this essence that there's so much more that i want to say that's how i feel every sunday when i'm closing my sermon there's so much more that i want to say and you guys say thank you lord that he doesn't say it amen because here's this is why John says, there's more that I want to say because love bears all things and believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's no surprise that the apostle of love would have a heart so full that a pen and paper could not contain what God had put in him. I, I love that. I, and he ends with a greeting of peace, which was a very common way to end a Greek letter. Peace right uh, love and truth everyone say love and truth now we, we all need it and we should live by it in Jesus name let's pray heavenly Father God I thank you for your word tonight God I thank you for your um, just powerful word God I, I pray Lord that this these two small epistles God uh, they are very practical to us God i I pray Lord that they would just uh, land in our hearts God that the word would come forth, Lord, that it would strengthen us, Lord, in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that if, I, if we're dealing with, in our lives, a lack of love, God, Lord, that you would show us what, what your love is. God, Lord, that you would uh, help pour out your love on us so that we can pour it out on others, that we would understand that your grace, that we, we don't deserve it. God, we don't deserve your love, but, Lord, you love us anyways. And, God, I pray for those who may be struggling. They have love, but they may be struggling in the truth. God, and I pray, Lord, that every lie of the enemy would be knocked down in the name of Jesus. Every time the enemy wants to rear his head and say certain things and certain lies, God, that we would defend those things with the truth. God, Lord, Jesus defended himself in the wilderness three times with the word of God. God, I pray, Lord, that the recall of the word of God within us would come forth when we need to knock down a lie of the enemy. God, help us to love in, in in truth. God, truth and love. God, I pray Lord that as the as believers, Lord, that we would be known as a people who speak the truth, but we do it so in love. God, as to draw people to you. God, not just in truth where we just give harsh words and, and push people away, but God, not just in love, Lord, where we just Speak in love, and and we don't ever uh, bring people to a place of a decision, God. But uh, truth and love, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us with that, God, as believers. God, strengthen that in our heart, God. I pray, Lord, you you keep us to the next time we come together. God, I pray blessing upon every person that's here, God, upon this church. God, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move like it has been moving in our midst. God, we pray for everybody who has a need. God, we pray for Brad Tincher, Lord, right now, who's in the hospital, God, uh, up in Methodist, God, and uh, just awaiting some results. God, be with him. Give him strength in his body. And, God, we just ask these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed.